I like illustration. It's imagination. It comes from somebody's uh, head, and it's very straight. Like if you if it, if it doesn't work out, then we'll just do it again. I mean, you can't really be creative without taking risks. It's impossible, really. It's about everything that I strive to be. That is, take a risk and jump in. Hello and welcome to the Common Creative. My name is Chris Meredith, and my name is Paul Fairweather. And today's guest tracked us down. Normally, we reach out to them. Christina Snyder is the founder and principal of a an agency, a creative agency that represents illustrators and artists based in New York. It was a fabulous interview, Chris, and. What was really interesting is, you know, we invited her on or accepted her on the show to talk about illustration and images, which is part and parcel of our idea stories and illustrations that matter. But what was so interesting is that she is the pinup person for our program because she's been a writer, she's been a photographer, uh, and she's got lots of great ideas. So uh, really fabulous, multidimensional discussion. Yeah, there are lessons for creatives. There are lessons for business people. She describes herself as an entrepreneur with a creative twist. Let's get her in. What a wonderful bus. Christina, a huge welcome to the show. It's fabulous to meet you. Um, you're in New York in lovely hot summer in New York. We're in Australia, shivering a little bit in midwinter. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yes, that's right. Thank you so much. Welcome, Christina. Thank you so much. I really am so happy to be here. And yes, it is a little bit uh, schwitzy, as we say in New York here t at the moment. <laughs> schwitzy, schwitzy, I like that word. Um, listen, we're so excited to have you on the show. Um, uh, obviously, you, you run a kind of very well-known, um, I'm going to try and describe it, but please correct me, an agency that represents illustrators, artists, and so on. And our mission is to understand creativity in business. So I think of you as a kind of creative wrangler, somebody who has to kind of bridge the gap between artists, illustrators, creatives, and the kind of world of business. And that must be a fascinating task. So I guess the first question is, did I, did I get that right? Tell us um, about Christine Snyder's agency. Yeah, so the agency is called Snyder. It's gone through many iterations from uh, the inception uh, in 2009. It was then called Snyder and the Swedes. I worked with mainly Scandinavian artists, and some of them are actually on the roster today. And then we went through a series of rebrands, the latest of which was this year in January, when we just dropped uh, everything and just called ourselves Snyder. So Snyder is an artist representation and creative production agency. And what that means is exactly what you said. Uh, we represent artists, uh, illustrators that do both animation and static illustration. Um, we also work with artists that do tactile work uh, that you can touch um, and uh, murals. Um, we have pretty much every category um, stop motion, plasticine, claymation. So it is, it is, uh, it, it's a huge offering. But basically, we are wranglers, but we're also many more things, I would say. Uh, Christina, just um, probably a question that would normally come a bit later, but I'm really interested in what drives you. Why, why, why do you do this? Why, why this business? 
Well, it goes kind of way back to the early aughts, uh, 2002, 2001. I, I had sort of parlayed my experience uh, working as a photo editor in New York City uh, for about a decade into, on a whim, starting an agency working with photographers and being an agent for photographers. It was a good time to be an agent for photographers, but it sort of wore on me. Um, so that's why I started in 2009, Snyder and the Swedes. And I, if I can be really um, honest about that, it was because uh, photography was starting to feel a bit linear um, and not so creative. Uh, there was always so, sort of like a an outcome at the end, which was sometimes good pictures, sometimes not very creative pictures. So I felt that illustration uh, was easier to handle. It was the negotiations and the production was much, much easier and more uh, open to sort of, well, open to budgets and that were easier to sort of uh, negotiate. Whereas photography was millions of line items and very, very difficult to, to get projects through. So I said, I like illustration. It's imagination. It comes from somebody's uh, head and it's very straight. Like if you, if it, if it doesn't work out, then we'll just do it again. So that's really my, where my interest started uh, commercially. Yeah. I, I think I think that's really interesting because uh, um, I should tell you now that Chris is a photographer. Uh, I know, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm more I'm more of an illustrator. So um, you, you'll probably get some bias uh, in the rest of this conversation now, knowing that uh, you're not so fond of photographers uh, anymore, Christina. Well, um, I would say so, I would um, say that I yeah that's that's incredible. yeah I was I would say that I wasn't so fond of the process. In other words, uh, commercial photography at the time, I worked with location photographers, portrait photographers, interiors, and very often it was gone so many channels at an ad agency or, or a, a design agency that there was very little left in my opinion. Now I'm, I actually was a photographer for myself and I still love photography. Don't, don't, you know, mm -hmm. think that I don't, it was just that mm -hmm. working with photographers <laughs> and with agencies trying to make it what photographer? I know, I know that you problem. Know with that problem. With <laughs> I know personally, I know that problem. Actually, that, that leads into one of the questions I was I was going to ask because creatives, maybe photographers more than other creatives, are notoriously difficult to deal with. I mean, they're kind of emotional and they, everything's personal to them. And you say it's not about you; it's about it's the product. And you go, "Yes, it is. I've put myself into this work." Any tips on how you deal with creatives? Because that's the toughest job in the world, I would think. Well, it, it can be a challenge for sure. But I've been in this business long enough to know that creatives are people. We, we all may have a bad day. We may be insecure. We uh, miss a deadline or we think we're not good enough. I mean, this, this goes on a lot with humans, as you know. And artists are humans as well. And so I, I think it's... Um, it's an interesting challenge. There's always somewhere you can go if you if you have a chat or if you talk. It doesn't usually end up in um, in, in a complete mess, you know. And so it is challenging, but it's also very very rewarding. Um, and having built this business with not by myself, obviously, but 
having built it for now in this iteration, Snyder, New York, now Snyder, for almost, well, over nine years, um, there's also such great joy in developing an artist that comes to us as a young person with not a fully formed vision. So that's, that's, it's, it's really a lot of fun. Um, just, it's interesting that you say that uh, joy, and I just wanted to pick up on that. Uh, Chris and I were talking earlier, and uh, and you know he made the observation that that so many of your artists seem to exude an optimism and a happiness. Um, you know, the bright colours. Is that a deliberate thing, or is it a culture, or is it just you? Um, like, tell us about that. It's definitely not me um uh well in a way it is but i think you know my my um co-founder cat iranajad and i share a vision that we're we want it to be bright optimistic and up and poppy um but that's not to say that we can't handle sort of darker subjects um when i had snyder in the swedes i was often told that you know it was a scandinavian uh, aesthetic and that there might be some truth to that um but i think it's just what we like you know um i i tend to be drawn to things with is that is that noir or my wife and i like the scandinavian nordic noir <laughs> Is the Scandinavian a darker aesthetic? Um, uh, I know they've got a lot of snow, a lot of white, but is it a darker aesthetic? I don't think it's a darker aesthetic. No, I think it's more um, colourful, designed, like very attention to details and finishes and, you know, there's lots and lots of examples for that. Yeah, so Alto. it's kind of happy, yeah. a little happy, which is weird because some Swedes are not yeah, happy, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah. Bergman, etc. <laughs> 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 I always think of uh, people in a in a um, wooden hut somewhere out on some frozen lake, going, "Only death is certain." This is that's the kind of, for me. That's that's the kind of Nordic Scandinavian way of looking at things. So it's lovely to hear about an aesthetic which is happy. It's optimistic, yeah, it's upbeat yeah, and so yeah. on. Um, I was struck by your your point about um, the joy of developing an artist, and I, and I, I have this. Oh, pattern which I've seen in myself, I've seen in so many other artists, which is in, in any project there are three basic phases, which is the beginning phase when it's all good. You go, oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to do an amazing job here. It's going to be fantastic. And then the artist gets into the detail of it and there's a dark hole you dive into and you think, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to hit the deadlines. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing it. And it's, it's going to be a disaster. And as the sort of deadline gets closer, suddenly things come together and you, and you suddenly go, Oh, I'm achieving something here. So my question is, like, do you recognise that pattern in, in either yourself or the artists you deal with? And if so, how do you navigate that? Because even being aware of it doesn't mean it goes away. Um, I don't recognise it in myself so much, except for um, early on when I was a travel writer. It was always like, uh, this is how, how can I call myself a writer? I'm nothing. I'm bad. And then you sleep on it. And then next, the next morning, it's like, hmm, this is not too bad. Who wrote this? Oh, that was me. <laughs> it's not too bad. So I, I recognize the process. And I think it's just like the hypercritical voice that takes over. But um, in terms of the artists, like I, 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 I definitely know that they go through the same thing. And, and developing somebody is, 
is a big and wonderful job, I would say. Um, it's, it's sort of spotting what is unique to an artist and what that can develop into, supporting that artist and uh, looking for jobs for that artist that will actually challenge an arc, if you wish. Like, so if you start over here, then you, you get to the next plateau and so on. So I actually think that when we find an artist that is not quite fully formed, hasn't been working for decades and decades, that can be very exciting because you get a chance to work with that artist. But I'm not saying that it's not exciting to work with an artist that has a lot of experience in a style. We actually look for that, a point of view that's strong. But working with somebody who is just getting started is also really excited. And of course, when they eventually um, get successful and work on bigger and bigger things, that's a really huge reward as well. It, it, this sounds like a, an agenda for all leaders. I mean, we're talking about artists, but anybody who's responsible for leading a group of people, whether they're in business or outside, surely has a job to take people that aren't fully formed and help them form themselves in some way. Um, and, and we know there are so many terrible leaders out there who's, who think their job is to control and to, and to direct rather than to help people become formed. I, I'd love to hear more about that idea. I mean, do the people themselves recognize that they're not fully formed? Do you, do you have a subtle way of doing it without them realizing? Or is it a case of saying, look, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help? I think it's a, in terms of experience. For instance, we have signed um, artists that are actually right out of art school. And they have something very special that we recognize. Um, one artist that comes to mind is Tess Smith Roberts on our roster, was basically just graduate, graduated uni and we saw her work and just loved it. And so we signed her and she has just had a, a career that's skyrocketed from the very get go. Um, what was exciting about that is um, helping her and sort of seeing what comes next and working on small projects, bigger projects, and then eventually pretty giant projects. So um, I, I I think what you were asking, maybe, were you asking possibly about uh, the team as well? I'm kind of, is there a wider lesson? I'm asking if there's a wider lesson for leaders anywhere, because I, I, that idea of helping people become formed. Yeah. feels so empowering. It feels so exciting. Um and I know of leaders whose job, they think their job is to control people, tell them what to do. And it's, yeah, it's a very bit different yeah. description of leadership. Well, I mean, when you say that, I think of uh, the, the experiences I had in the ad world, you know, working with photography at the time, uh, whether certainly as a leader, like a creative director who sort of, this is what we want, this is what we need. Um, and, and I guess that works also, but in my own leadership, you know, I am the founder and CEO of Snyder, and I've worked in this industry for a long time. I think I'm influenced by my background uh, being Swedish. I think that uh, I jokingly say that I, I have a democracy. My company is a democracy with a with a tyrant at the top, which is me. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I really welcome uh, everybody's opinion. And my philosophy on that is like, if you have an idea, bring it forward. There's nothing wrong with having bad ideas. In fact, I 
I think that that's probably how I got where I am right now because I, 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 I wasn't afraid to try things, to take risks and, and parlay one experience into another. And without that, I don't know where I would be today. I mean, risk-taking is a big part of my DNA, I think. Um, and so I want to encourage the team. Mm. We work with a... Every creative. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't really be creative without taking risks. It's impossible, really. So so the team at Snyder exactly. is, is very much like that, you know, invited to take risks. Christina, I wanted to just um, pick up a few things you said and, and um, sort of weave it back into what Chris and I are about. And it's quite amazing because one of the, the right, main reasons we invited you on is, uh, is the element of uh, visual imagery. Um, so Chris and I have a program that came out of uh, Two Common Creatives, or The Common Creative, which is about ideas, stories uh, and illustration. And the illustration isn't necessarily, um, although more often than not it is, a visual imagery. And I'm really interested in hearing your story that you were a writer, um, a travel writer, so there's the, the story. Um, you, you've been a practising uh, uh, creative yourself as a photographer, you know, an art director, and now you're, you know, representing people that are painters and illustrators. Um, so in some ways... You know, you're, you're, you could be a the pinup person <laughs> for, for, for what, what we preach. Know. Yes, <laughs> yes, you know what we preach exactly. So I'm just really interested. In this, you know, so uh, you know, there's three things that you could comment on, but this whole idea of you know almost the final piece is an illustration that brings an idea or a story to life. Um, if you sort of have some thoughts about the importance that plays. Mm, the importance. You know, it's it's hard for me to comment on that because I, I while I am a creative person, you know, I, I, I often call myself um, an entrepreneur with creative tendencies because I've done photography. I have written, um, travel written and written other things as well. Um, I don't know what to say, really. You kind of... Yeah, the final pieces. Well, yeah. I might, I'll just rephrase yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I'll rephrase it slightly, okay, Christina. Yeah. If, if just basically, um, you, you know, like you you represent, you know, illustrators and painters and you know artists, but you know, particularly, you know, also illustrators. You know, what is it then? Is that part where people come and say, you know, we want this mm. illustration? You know, what is what is, you know, that piece? Because you know, you could put an article out or whatever it is without an illustration. What is, you know, what is that critical part mm-hmm. of the illustration that's so important? Well, I, for me, it starts... Does that, is yeah. that clear? For me, it starts with form and function, just like photography. You know, uh, well, it was, I should say form and content. So point of view is, and this is nothing new. I'm sure you've heard it many times about creativity. But the point of view uh, that you have a narrative and a story to tell in some form we see a lot of artists that apply to be part of the agency and they, they have very pretty work. They have very nice um, lines and very capable, but there's no story there and there's no narrative. Um, so that's one part of it. If you see it as a, as a, you know, left hand, right hand kind of thing. I, I think also um, a very fresh mm-hmm. take on, on the execution, whether it's, Again, line drawings, or if it's uh, CG, or how it's expressed in a technical way. 
So it's like you have the content and the and the form, if you wish. That that to me is what I think you were asking. And and yeah, that's that's my answer. Mm, yeah, no, that, that that's that's a brilliant insight. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, it's that's great. Thank you. That's a great insight. Can I ask a slightly different aspect? The same is inspired by the same question, and I guess it's why is there this gap for most people? in expressing themselves visually. Uh, we all know how to jump on a keyboard or grab a pen and to write. That's okay, everyone does it. And nobody seems to have this fear. But if you say, make an image out of that, most of the world goes, oh, no, 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 I'm not creative. I couldn't do that. Um, and in a way you fill that void because you know, well, we've got loads of people that do do it. But I'm asking, why don't ordinary people, why doesn't everybody <laughs> feel as comfortable with a colored pen or a Well, yeah, that's, a that's such a great question. I had a, um, I interviewed or talked to a creative director who did a campaign for an artist uh, on our roster called Lorraine Boglio. She did a brilliant uh, animated campaign for, uh, for this agency. And I wanted to talk to him and ask him, why did you go with illustration for this? Because it was a big campaign. Uh, and he, he gave me such a brilliant answer. It was basically, well, I think illustration is something that we all relate to because when we're small kids, we are given crayons and paper and we all just doodle, 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 and write and, and, and make drawings for our moms and dads. And it's something that we all have done. So it's a very good question. I really don't know what happens to that kid that sort of draws outside of the paper and onto the table. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, I don't know. I, I don't know, but it's such an interesting reflection on his part. I really loved that metaphor. The the only guess I can make, I don't know if you've heard of a, a guy called Sir Ken Robinson. He's a yes. university professor. He's unfortunately deceased now, but he, he and his thing is, is, is schools. The education system puts the written word and science at the top of it. And he's, this is around the world, um, at the top of its agenda. And the creative disciplines, be they visual or dance or anything, are always at the bottom. And so we basically tell our kids that's not important. That's his view. And, and I think there's a lot in it. Mm -hmm. um, there's no logic to it. I think human beings are instinctively going to be more visual. We know the human brain. We speak to a lot of neuroscientists. The human brain loves pictures. It works with pictures. And yet somehow our language is a written language or just a spoken language. Paul, I know you're itching. No, I, I, I just have, a, I have an insight. Sorry. Do you know the work of uh, Betty Edwards? Uh, American? No, I don't. Uh, she wrote a great book called Drawing on the Right-Hand Side. No, of, I don't. Drawing on the Right-Hand Side yes. of the Brain. Uh, Daniel Daniel Pink references it. I think she's she's quite old now, if not passed away, but she's, I think, Long Beach, California. And she makes the observation uh, that what happens is the reason we lose it, it's around puberty. It's because we have this um, uh, self-image of ourselves and, 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 we, and, we, and our, our view of the world changes to one of more a sort of a realism. Uh, and so when we can no longer draw in a way that you know, can be recognised as realistic, we, we lose our confidence. Uh, and, 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 and she, she has this observation and she does this. If you ever want to learn yeah. to draw, um, I can highly recommend that book. It's, it's probably the best text. So that's, that's her observation on it. Um, so I suppose, you know, what's, and I, I, I have some parts of my artistic 
pursuits which were you know i lost confidence in my um, in my teen years but my drawing and painting remained so i suppose one of the questions is maybe you know to reframe chris's again and maybe it's already said in the observation is you know what are the people that kept it you know what do they have yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. is there yeah. something in their personality you know that they that they don't they don't care what it looks like in a way you know they do care but they don't care you know i don't know it's uh well there's um, that f- i don't know if you if you can recognize anything in your stable i i do actually i was going to say that you know that uh, quote by picasso that you have to learn to draw like a 4 year old which is basically what that creative director was referring to yeah. but i do see that in some of our artists um yeah. they you i get the feeling that they would you know, die if they couldn't do what they do. They couldn't draw or, you know, create or like, there are some artists that are like that, that are, it just sort of comes out of them. And it's incredibly exciting to see. Um, But everybody's different, you know. Um, When you were talking before, I I wondered what came first, language or uh, or symbols or communication with pictures, because I'm quite fascinated by cave drawings, you know, cave, cave drawings. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a famous TED talk that draws a parallel between uh, cave drawings and emojis. It's like symbol, smiley face, hand, antelope, you know, mm-hmm. that's really exciting um, to me to think about, <laughs> uh, because I wonder what came first. Uh, language or symbols i don't know mm, mm. i'm sure the symbols came before the written word yeah i mean it's yeah, a smiley face is a universal way of communicating you don't need letters to to just show that means happiness i mean yeah yeah it's a great yeah. point i can't wait to track down that tension. yeah do you know who do you remember who gave i do not no yeah. no no who, who was i it? do not remember i should have researched oh, right, okay. but we'll, we'll yeah. search it out yeah. No, that's fine. We'll 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 we'll, we'll search it out and put it in the show notes. Christy, um, tell us about your own photography. You, you said you're still a passionate photographer. You've obviously been on a journey with photography as a, a as an art form. Yes. Do, do, are you shooting now? So what kind of? Um, work I'm actually doing mostly motion now. I I have this uh, personal project which is not at all fully formed, but I started uh, doing a lot of filming with my iPhone. Um, during COVID for the simple reason that I wanted to, I wanted to see what happens really. And I also wanted to remember uh, how, what it was like. I do not remember what things were like two years ago, but I have the footage, but um, you could say early on, I was very interested in, in photojournalism. So I went to photo school in Stockholm and as a result, you know, parlaying one experience into another, that actually led me to uh, New York City uh, via India, working on a creative project in photography. All of a sudden, I was in New York City because I had met somebody in India, a girlfriend of mine named Christy, and we came together uh, to New York City. And so all of a sudden, I was here, and I realized this is a great place for photography, very um interested in American photography early on, like the New York school, etc. So um, you could say that photography actually brought me to my current uh, life, uh, where I ended up. And of course, New York was such a rich (laughs) place for photography. I worked with photographers, I was a photo editor, I met 
some of my heroes. And it was just a, it was just a, like a, it has meant so much to me in my life, really. Right now, though, it's mostly motion. Yeah. Right. Who are those heroes, Christina? Oh, um, it's Eugene Richards. <laughs> Eugene Richards. I met him at a wedding, and yeah. I lived quite near the um, Magnum office when it was on Spring Street. So I used to see like all these photographers popping by. Um, I think the biggest thing, uh, it wasn't a physical meeting, but I got to go down to the Time Life archive and look at prints uh, from an essay that I had studied in photo school by uh, Eugene Smith, um, who uh, did this essay called A Country Doctor for Life. And one of the biggest thrills was open the drawer, pick up a print and look at this, uh, hold the print in my hand that I had been see that I had seen in Life magazine from the 50s. So New York was full of, of experiences like that. It was terrific. It was a great place to be for somebody like me that loved photography. Right. And, and now you live up in the in New York State, but up in the Adirondacks, is that it? How do you Adirondacks? Adirondacks. It means uh, bark eater uh, in, in uh, an old Indian uh -huh. language. Yeah. It was... Um, the hunting ground for uh, many Indian tribes, native tribes, that used it for summer right. summer hunting. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and it's the largest park. Is that right? In um, uh, who said in forty eight states or something? It's it's an enormous park. Is that no, right? the well, the Adirondacks uh, is a is a park. It's six million acres, and it's it's not a national park. It's a state right. park, but it's a huge. I mean, you could fit Yellowstone in one corner of this park. It's enormous, and it is um, about four hours wow. north of New York City, and two hours south of Montreal. Right. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you what I, what I suspect might be the toughest question of this entire process, because one thing we're challenging our guests to do, um, and for most of them it's quite easy, is, is kind of, could you give us one image that kind of brings to life your creative philosophy? And for most people, they go, oh, yeah, it's this or it's that. But obviously, as a person who's been a photographer, is dealing with creatives and illustrators and so on, I imagine you're surrounded by thousands of, of images, but, but can I put you on the spot? It, it could be one of your own photographs. It could be an illustration from one of your artists. It could be some uh, an image by Eugene um, Smith. Smith. Thank you. Is there an image that kind of captures the spirit of your, your creative? Well, aspect? yes. I'm so happy to be able to refer to this. I, it's something that I saw on Instagram just a few days ago. So I'm going to set up the scene. Imagine you, uh, and this is a moving, uh, this is a clip. So there's a very, very old and frail looking man that walks out on a diving board that's quite high above the water. It looks enormously high. It's probably 20 meters or something. And he's walking slowly and kind of looks extremely feeble. He's holding out his hands in front of him and he gets to the end of the diving board and you see the ocean glittering below him. And then he stands there, waves his hands as if he's feeling the air. And he does that for maybe like 15, 20 seconds. 
And then he jumps into the water. And I was thinking of this image. I just, I was astounding when I saw this and I said, I should, I should get a tattoo with that guy. You know, the profile of this guy feeling the air. And I think that that is such an amazing, beautiful clip. I, I think it's just, it's about everything that I strive to be. That is take a risk and jump in. I'm, I'm guessing I know why, but t- yeah, ah, take a risk and jump yeah. in. Yeah, uh, and I'm suspect. I suspect that the, the kind of process of feeling the air is a, is to. I'm guessing that alludes to the whole idea. Enjoy the process. Don't. It's one thing to jump. It's another to acknowledge that you're going to be jumping into the very kind of. Is and, that? Yeah, is that but, but this correct? guy is. Re- if you saw the image, I will send it to you. It, he looks like he was going to collapse any minute and he walks with very slow steps. So it's like, he still, he still has it. He still craves it. And he jumps in and he takes a risk and right. it's so beautiful. So I'm glad I was able to. I, I think that is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I've got to tell you, uh, we haven't been uh, doing this, asking people for an image uh, for that long, uh, but. This is by far the best answer we've had. So, and I think it's raised the bar very high. So, uh, we'll be asking guests in the future just we've had the last few minutes of Christina Schneider. Uh, this is what we expect. Uh, oh, so, that's so nice. It um, makes me feel good. Christina, I'm just going to uh, draw it to a close. <laughs> well, well, it's going to draw it to a close because I think it's a beautiful place to end our interview. It has been an absolute pleasure oh, for me too uh, amazing to on our show today we have uh i yeah i've learned so much <laughs> and and what's really amazing i thought it was going to be just about this thing of illustration inverted commas and uh and it has been as i said you you could be the poster person for our our whole philosophy oh, that's so great. Uh, thank you so much for sharing oh your time you're so your welcome insights. it's been my complete pleasure <laughs> I hope we'll speak again. I can't wait to follow the progress of the agency and your personal project. I want to see how that comes out when, it, when the time oh, is yeah. right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed myself. Wow, that was so fantastic. I've, uh, I'm, I'm buzzing, Chris, after that conversation. <laughs> so, me too. And, you know, somebody from the other side of the world, from a different country, different time zone, and, and it felt like we'd known her forever. What a beautiful conversation, a beautiful person. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Uh, give us your comments, pop them in the chat box below. Obviously, if you're not a subscriber, hit subscribe. Um, and if you're interested to find out more about Paul and I and ideas and stories that matter, Drop us a line. Yeah, or well, check out our website, twocommoncreators.com. So, uh, yeah, uh, great, Chris. Uh, look forward to uh, chatting again next week. Yep, see you all next week. Bye.